All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Buyer's Market Podcast. I feel like I say this every time, but I'm really excited about today's guest. Uh, I probably say that every time because I always am excited. Uh, but today we're joined by Casey Fallon. Uh, he's director of supply chain for SMUD. Uh, has a lot of cool stuff to tell us today. He's got a really interesting story, and then he's going to tell us how he got into power generation, which is also a very unique story. Casey, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, so as I just mentioned, Casey has a Casey has a really cool story about how he progressed through supply chain. He's had some uh, had some really uh, neat opportunities to travel throughout the country and ultimately went from the East Coast to the West Coast. And he's going to tell us all about that. And then we're going to end up talking about data driven decisions and how he's able to leverage data to make informed decisions. But I think he's also going to tell us a little bit how he still uses his instincts and his gut as well. Um, but I, I don't want to tell his story for him. So Casey, uh, take us from the start. Sure. Well, um, one of the prompting questions was how I got into this field of supply chain. And so I thought I'd just kind of start with that and then maybe go on to the some of the career stuff. So I, I was thinking about this a little bit and um, I studied um, finance operations uh, management in my undergraduate degree, bachelor's degree. Um, I went to school at the uh, University of Massachusetts Amherst, the Eisenberg School of Business. And um, I was kind of thinking back, like, you know, how did I end up with supply chain finance? And I, I guess, you know, I, I've always been a person that just kind of looks at things like there's got to be a better way. There, it's got to be, you know, more efficient. I, I, I grew up in a household with four kids. Um, I still don't know how my parents did it. It was hectic at times. And I just remember being a kid, like sitting in traffic or like waiting in line at, you know, amusement park or whatever and thinking like, this is not efficient. Like there's got to be a better way to do this. And so when I was in school and I learned about supply chain and that there's an actual uh, field or practice for this, I was I was just hooked. So that's kind of where my roots come from, I think, um, in reflecting. And uh, yeah, I've always been in supply chain. Uh, so that's where it kind of started. That's 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 uh, that's neat. Uh, a lot of our origin stories have been kind of I accidentally got into here. That sounds a lot more like some of the engineering stories I hear where it's people that were so interested in this when they're younger. I've, I haven't heard anyone who talks about it from an efficiency standpoint, but that's that's interesting. Maybe it's just uh, I'm always a bit impatient, so maybe it comes from from there, too. But I've been I've been learning to temper that in uh, leadership roles over the years. <laughs> Yes, that's a that's an that's a, that's one of the first lessons they teach you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so now you're uh, you're you're getting ready to get out of school, getting ready to venture into supply chain. Uh, how's your career start off? Well, um, it started when I was still in school. Um, I worked a little bit when I was in school and accounting office in the university, and uh, looked around for some internships. So my junior year, I got an internship. Uh, believe it or not, at a company called Yankee Candle Company. A lot of people are probably familiar with that company from their awesome smelling candles, um, especially like, you know, Christmas wreath and stuff like that. But uh, the school I went to in Amherst, Mass, uh, uh, the town over Deerfield is where the, um, the, the person who started that company in their garage uh, built out a manufacturing facility in their corporate office and uh, so I, I started as an intern working in this retail operations group. And um, from there, I just started, you know, learning about transportation and, and uh, distribution and, uh, you know, re retail and that whole environment. And uh, I, I graduated and um, uh, 
moved on to a company uh, nearby, kind of by way of some networking and um, getting into a, a different opportunity. Um, and I became a business analyst. It was my first full-time uh, role out of school. And I worked for a big company. Um, they were about a $12 billion company at the time. And uh, they were growing by acquiring warehousing facilities and uh, new retail customers. They were doing food and consumer product distribution. Uh, so my role as, an, as a business analyst, it was um, really helping with uh, data and, and how we acquired new data and rolled that into our warehousing systems and how that helped the, the company grow. So I, I kind of learned the nuts and bolts and in, in the importance of data and systems in that role. And then um, just kind of out of the blue one day, I was, you know, heads down, probably banging on a spreadsheet or trying to figure out some database problem. And uh, somebody told me, you know, the, there was a senior vice president at the time who, who wanted to talk to me. So I went down the office and he said, hey, I've got this opportunity in Hawaii. They had just acquired a division on the West Coast in Hawaii. He said, I'm going out there next week. I I need somebody to come with me. We're going to be swapping out a operations person, and uh, and I think you're you're a great you know fit for the role. And I was kind of dumbfounded, like I didn't really understand that he was basically telling me or asking me you know to sign up for this job in in Hawaii. So from Massachusetts to Hawaii, you know, I I I kind of I think I told him I, I need to think about it, and I I like scammed you know scurried back to my desk and. And then uh, I just I ran back down there. I shook his hand. I said, you know, sign me up. Let's go. Right. So I was 23 years old and got to go live in Hawaii and work for a year and a half. But it was a it was a difficult job because the company was struggling with their service level. And uh, for for a retail business um, in Hawaii, um, it's complex. I mean, we're buying product from the continental uh, U.S., mainland U.S., shipping it over over the seas, oftentimes a week, and and inner island shipping and freight and warehousing. There's just a lot of moving parts, and so um, I went from being an analyst at my desk to you know just a world of opportunities to improve our service level, and and in that second that second main role, um, I, I really think I learned the. The importance of um, using data and being disciplined with that data to turn it around and to show you know show progress and improve outcomes for for customers. Um, and uh, part of my role there was to um, hire somebody uh, locally to help take over and and staff that division. And then um, that company moved me to California, uh, kind of similar type of opportunity, but. Um, uh, more more warehousing. We were in uh, Sacramento, Stockton, and um, Fresno, and uh, I moved more into account management and business development, so more directly customer facing, and uh, kind of took those um, original or those last couple roles of the nuts and bolts of the system, and you know turning things around for customers and and selling to customers, right? So. Um, helping improve our our, our sales and and uh, trying to um, help develop um, uh, the portfolio of business. And you know, I also learned in that role that um, I am definitely more of a data analyst type of person, more of an optimizer than I am of a of a seller. Um, uh, and I learned that about myself. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for people in sales professions because it's a really it's a really hard job especially to be told no all the time and to uh, continue to be out there trying to make things happen. Um, 
And uh, around that time, I actually went back to school. I, I worked on a uh, MBA program, a part-time program um, in, in here in Sacramento, Sacramento State. And uh, that just kind of opened my eyes up to different industries, different companies. And so I, I, I knew it was time for me to make a switch. So I took a financial analyst role, um, just learned about utilities, power scheduling, how they set rates, just the financial structure of electric utilities and um, did that for a little while, a year, year and a half, and then um, promoted to project manager role and then um, operationally to a, a fleet manager role. And then um, I did that for about six months and then um, stepped up into um, this position I'm in now. It's a director of uh, purchasing warehouse and fleet operations. Got about uh, 90 people on my team. Um, this uh, leadership opportunity was the result of a uh, Kind of a reorganization in 2014, 2015, and so I was just the right person in the right place at the right time with um, all of the the right prior experience from those roles uh, to be able to take on this um, opportunity. Um, and I've been in this position for almost six years now. Awesome. Um, I want to I want to talk about a couple of things you already talked about. I want to I definitely want to get into the um, the subject itself, but I, I feel like there's so many listeners who who have questions about navigating through their career, and it seems like you've done a really good job of leveraging all your responsibilities. Um, so when you got into sales BD and then you went to get your MBA, did you have a pretty good idea of what you wanted to do after you got your MBA, or were you just like, I'm not sure sales BD is what I want to do, so I need to figure out something else. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I was on kind of this rotation from that company I worked for at the time. Um, there was kind of this finance thing, transportation and logistics, account management, business development. There's sort of a leadership theme to it. And um, I wasn't entirely sold on the that, the, the company um, at the time. I, I wasn't really sure. I was still in my 20s. You know, I was thinking, is this the place I'm going to work for 30 years? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. So um, the MBA was... Um, you know, partly to just continue my education in those fields, but then also to see, you know, what else is out there? What 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 do I not know about? And, um, you know, gratefully, the, the MBA program was a cohort. So there are you know, people working together, the same cohort of about 40 people all together from all different industries. And I uh, just had a great experience with that. That, that really helped me um, build the confidence, I think, to... Um, start thinking about making a career move um, to a different type of position, different type of industry. So you're you're wrapping up your MBA and what's drawing you towards power generation? Were you poached away or were you interested in power generation for some reason? Well, I had a really um, unique opportunity, kind of a little, little um, kind of a, uh, like a, a shortcut, I guess. Um, the MBA program through Sacramento State, what um, the university uh, does is they partner with um, large companies in the region. So Sacramento, um, they have uh, VSP, Intel, uh, SMUD, and a couple other big companies in, in the area. And Sac State hosts the MBA programs on their campus. So I didn't really know anything about the company I work for now, SMUD, Sacramento Municipal Utility District, but our MBA, our MBA course was was on site at SMUD, and and there were um, a handful of SMUD employees in the program, 
So I got to know about the company and about the industry by way of the program. And uh, it just, to me, it was a really solid employer. Um, electric utilities, kind of like, um, you know, food, the food industry was in previously. Um, not necessarily recession proof, but a good industry to be in. If the economy turns, people are still going to be consuming electricity at, at home and, and, you know, many businesses. So I, I liked that, the stability of the industry. And I had that um, advantage of getting to know the company and the industry from the, the program itself. That's awesome. Did you make, um, did you make connections in your MBA? Cause I, I know previously you had talked about networking when you were in school and I know people struggle with that, but it sounds like networking was a big part of your first opportunity you received. And then that last one, did you, were there people in your class that you got along with and that you liked, or was it kind of like, hey, you just knew from SMUD and you found a position? Yeah, there were. Um, there was um, a director um, in in our class at the time. Um, got to know a lot about their organization and uh, some of the challenges they had at the time, just from their their projects and contributions to the cohort. Um, had a couple peers that were similarly kind of analysts at the time, project managers at the time, and um, yeah, we. Worked more kind of a classmate capacity, um, but now we're we're coworkers and we're 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 peers, um, and uh, we're trying to do do good things here in Northern California. Um, so yeah, it's interesting how all that works, right? Yeah, there's nothing like doing meaningful work with people you care about, right? Yep. Um, all right, so now I want to I want to dive into what we what we promised the crux of our conversation was going to be, and that's you know data driven decisions. Uh, you have unique experience outside of this space where you're probably accustomed to more data and people leveraging data more. Um, I've been in power generation now for 15 years. Oh man, I'm getting a little bit older, about 15 years, <laughs> maybe a year or two more than that even. Um, and data is, uh, has always has been talked about for as long as I can remember, but hasn't really been utilized and definitely hasn't been utilized well. Uh, I shared a little bit on our pre-call, my perception of of how I've seen some of the data be misled because of inputs. Um, what was it like when you first started in this space and how did you approach things? How did you look at things when you first got here and you saw, or I assume you saw, okay, there's not nearly as much data as I'm used to receiving? Yeah, so when I first uh, started working in the utility, um, I was really just, just uh, kind of in a sea of data, le learning in a financial capacity. And uh, what I was trying to figure out how to learn and where I could contribute was really um, making um, making decisions, making financial decisions, um, planning, um, budgeting, forecasting. One of the things that I, I learned and and I, and I thought at the time was just how it worked everywhere, being in a, um, a very fast-paced industry, retail, the food business, 24/7 um, operation, right? Super low margins. Their, their forecasting and their ability to plan for, for small changes was, was tremendous. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I brought that experience to utilities where we're more looking on an annual or kind of three-year three plan cycle. And so I remember initially, to kind of to answer your question, um, starting in on the role thinking like, <laughs> you know, uh, we're we're looking at big things like over a long period of time, but I'm used to like day to day, week to week, like fine tuning forecasts. And so 
at the time I was, I was, I think I was a little bit overwhelmed, but I was thinking maybe this is an opportunity for me to influence, kind of drive sort of a different look. I mean, there's so much data available at, at a utility, but in practice, um, I think to your point, we're really, really only using a, a small uh, portion of that data. Yeah. So uh, how'd you start tackling that challenge? What, what did you think? <laughs> well, at first, I think um, people thought I was super annoying. They were like, yeah, this is the new guy. He's going to, you know, change the world overnight. And I literally remember going into meetings like, oh, yeah, right, right. But my experience previously was that if you're if you're really good, if you have discipline, a, a cadence around meeting and looking at the same numbers, either quarter to quarter, month to month or week to week, you know, it's it's. It's that it's that uh, old school, you know, managed by objectives, Drucker stuff. It's what uh, what gets measured gets managed. And I was I was really trying to look for just simple ways to, okay, um, let's meet, you know, this month and let's let's uh, keep score and then let's come back next month and look at what the score was and let's look at what the score is now and try to kind of repeat that over the course of a couple months and then. Um, my thinking was if we could get uh, get the basics down, then we could look ahead and say, okay, well, the score last month was this and the score today is this. Well, where do we want to be? And and but just getting the getting the traction on the cadence and getting the uh, getting participants to you know become involved and and uh, kind of deal with that cycle, that was uh, really challenging. Um is it does it continue to be a challenge or do you feel like through your op, through your execution and your team's execution you have more people believing um well i can't, I can't take credit for all of it myself but I, but I think um the culture in our organization is changing um i think partly because um we 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 have to the um, energy business is changing tremendously right we're all moving towards this clean energy vision and um, we need to retool power plants and uh, reinvest, make new investments in solar battery, et cetera. And uh, that all is going to cost a tremendous amount. So being mindful with what we're spending day to day, um, you know, that urgency is helping drive this, this change and this, this focus, I think. Um, but, but I would say that's become, I think, more apparent in the last couple years, last two, three years. Um, so prior to that, um, you know, helping people get on board. I think it was just uh, kind of being persistent and um, uh, just trying to stick to it, I guess. So you ended up in a sales role, even though you didn't want to be in sales. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, now that you say it that way, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit better sales role. You don't get told no as much probably as you do if you're just out there pounding the pavement. But Yeah, maybe I should give myself a little more credit for the sales. I guess I probably use some of the tactics I learned in my my training for sales and business development. Yeah, I mean, my experience has been, especially in bigger companies, it's if you want to get your idea passed, it's significantly more about influence and getting other people to understand your perspective or why you think your perspective is right than it is about the idea. Sometimes the idea is a great idea, but it's people have so many things going on and they're just They've got their own stuff, so it takes a little bit of pestering. I like what you said. They were probably annoyed by you a little bit. I've I've led change in organizations previously, and I know exactly what that's like. 
I'm sure there's people at my company right now when they see me walking, they're like, I don't want to talk about marketing right now with this guy. He better leave me alone. <laughs> but they know if I can get you in a corner, I'm going to try and talk to you about demand generation marketing for a little bit because this is, I think this is going to make an impact. Yep. So pa passionate, right? That's just a sense of passion for for what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, it sounds like uh, it sounds like you and Smut are pretty far down along the data journey. Um, are there any are there any big lessons you learned going through that effort that you can share, or uh, any any ways that you're using the data now to be able to help your customers? I, I know per, I personally I've said this on a previous when I lived in Sacramento, and so Smud was a customer of mine, and they were uh, it's 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 different than uh, it's different than other utilities. A lot of other people that have utility bills when you're in Smud, you could it's um. They, they really care about the people in Sacramento and it shows in the rates and it also shows in the way they carry themselves from a stewardship standpoint. So uh, a lot of respect to SMUD, not not just saying that because you're on here. I've said it previously and I believe it. Yeah, thank you. And that's really cool, actually, small world that uh, we had that connection to Sacramento um, and and SMUD. Yeah, I uh, uh, definitely believe in in the, the mission and vision uh, community owned utility, right? So um, every dollar we spend, it's coming from um, our customers. So, you know, being good stewards of that dollar, each and every dollar is is super important. Uh, so to your question about um, the data, the ex experience with data. So I, I think, um, you know, early on when I when I uh, started in this role, um, trying to uh, to build build the um, build the scoreboard. Um, I think uh, Jim Collins talked about building the clock, right? Mm -hmm. um, are you going to be a clock builder or are you just going to tell time? So going back, it was easy for me to see the data and put things together and just tell time, right? And just tell my team, like, this is what time it is, five o'clock, six o'clock, right? But um, what what took um, a, a bigger effort that I wasn't really expecting was um, working with the team to, to build the clock so that they understand it, they understand how it works, and they can tell time on their own, with or without me. And that was a, a real trying effort. I mean, that took time, right? Because you've got to build the foundations with the data. There are relationships there in the data and systems. You got to um, come up with some sort of a standard format, kind of fine tune it as you go, stick with it month after month after month. Um, so that that was, uh, that was a, a, a lot. And I think not just building the mechanism or the the scoreboard or the clock. I mean that it could that could take a number of different forms, but um, I think it, this came to me a little bit later on. Um, not right away, obviously something I struggled with. But um, explaining to the team why you know why why are we why are we building this? Why are we putting all this together? What you know what what is our goal ultimately? And uh, you know sp spending more time. Um, with that on the front end was was a learning experience for me. Um, and I guess, um, let's see, what else uh, through that ex experience? Um, somewhere along the line, I, I picked up these um, three questions from a great mentor that I worked with at the time. I just, I found myself um, really uh, kind of frustrated on having to just re redirect and, and uh, get people on, on board. And so the three questions are, um, really simple, but but just kind of a, a pivotal moment for me. So um, using the, the mechanism of, of reporting and keeping ourselves accountable um, was all designed to demonstrate uh, where have we been 
where are we now and where are we going? I joke with my team now like, oh, well, let's go back to the three questions, right? And uh, we, we have this reporting mechanism really clear. It tells us, you know, where we've been in the last couple of years, how are we doing today, and, and what are we trying to get to? And in a lot of cases, we're doing a really good job. We're headed in the right direction. But in some cases, we've got, we've got work to do. And so that was just a kind of a framing exercise that I came across at one point that was um, really helpful. Yeah, that's a I'm stealing that one. <laughs> such a concise way to such a concise way to have conversations, too, if you can put them in those buckets. And I, that's that's I have not heard that before. I like that, though. I like it a lot. Um, did you learn anything or have anything to share about um, data and stories? So uh in my mind, when I hear about you going through this, I have to imagine that there are some times where the data might not have been accurate, or maybe the data was accurate and the people in the business unit didn't necessarily believe it was accurate because they weren't used to seeing it. How are you able to match up the stories that are, are being told and what's happening with the data? And uh, does sometimes the, the story drive the data or is it always you look at the data and then let that tell the story? Yeah, I think a really important intersection of all of that, the the different stories, the data itself, the, the perspectives is data governance. And mm -hmm. uh, I've been really fortunate to have a, a couple people on the team that have done a really good job on de defining our metrics and, and not just, um, you know, metric in terms of the numerator and the denominator, but but where do all the pieces come and, and how do you how do you stack them up? Where does where do you go get the data? what duration, what time period. And the reason why that's been so important is if if you don't have that governance and that definition and then put that out where everyone can see it, it's it's inevitable that each perspective or each story could be slightly different, right? Like one group could pull the data and say, you have 900 widgets. And another group could pull it and say, well, you have 920. And then a different group could pull it and say, well, you got 950. And so that's three different stories trying to say the same thing about, you know, whatever number of widgets that you have. And um, that's just going to cause friction and everybody's just going to get hung up on that. And we had a lot of that until we got square on data governance and had some really smart people help us um, sort sort that out. So that's the big key, getting aligned on the inputs and then... I guess if you're aligned on the inputs, it's harder to argue about the outputs, right? Yeah, I, th I think so. And there's a, a fair amount of um, of uh, trust that that happens, trust building that happens when teams are going through that process. When it's um, you know, like you said, customers and a, and a team, right? You're you're building trust as you go and and building the definitions and and sharing the reporting together. Nice. Um, so I want to I want to move on to uh, ask you some kind of buyer perception questions. But before we do that, is there anything else that you want to anything else you want to say about uh, your story or or smut or uh, what you're proud of? Um, I think uh, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that comes to mind is uh, uh, I I mentioned before the the work we're doing in in utilities and energy business. It's it's really exciting. Um, right now we have so much going on. There's um, of course planning for a, a clean energy future. There's uh, fleet electrification. There's energy efficiency. Uh, we're we're trying to figure out you know the best technology to use. All of that. Um, what's so cool to me is that you know we're particip 
participating. We're in the mix on all this, but we get really a front row seat to see all of this unfold, right? I just, it's just, uh, it's just amazing to me to, to see it. I mean, we see Teslas out on the road every day. You know, you, you can't really see that where and when people are installing like home batteries and things and, you know, but it's just, it's all changing very quickly. And uh, it's, it's really exciting. It's just a great uh, company to work for, a really cool industry to be in. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just grateful for the people I've learned from along the way. Nice. I, I think it's a, a, a very fun time to be in the industry too. It's it's interesting. You depending on who you talk to, but depending on their perspective, you know they'll say, "Oh, it's a it's a it's a scary time in the industry. It's a tough time in the industry." I, I think that pro that depends on your perception because you just you just echo the same thing that I'm thinking. This is such a fun, exciting time for the space. Uh, trying to trying to improve emissions across the United States and across the world. I mean, it's no small task, and it takes every utility like you and all the oil and gas companies driving it. And you're seeing that more and more. And it's not necessarily being driven by government regulation. It's driven by companies saying we want to do better. And I don't know how that can't be an exciting time. And especially for you on the front row, I'm I'm trying to sell into that market. You're you're in here living it and executing it. That's got to be even more fun. So, yep. Yep. Uh, so one of the things we really like we like to do on the show is try and help sellers and marketers understand how to reach out to prospective buyers better. So we have this little like rapid fire question where we're just going to ask you some questions about your own buying behavior and uh, about how people can reach out to not not maybe not to you specifically tomorrow, but in general, good ways to reach out. Um, and then after that, we'll get your best routine and habit and uh, we'll let you go save the world. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, first question: Do you perform your own research prior to making a buying decision? Yes, absolutely. What type of uh, what type of information do you consume? We we use all sorts of um, cost intelligence data points. We use third party applications. Uh, we learn as much as we can about uh, pricing in the category, who the main players are, uh, what their um, either equipment. Um, technology or services can do and um we even have uh, I'll, I'll give you an inside uh, tip we even have a something we call a procurement strategy checklist so before we go out to market it's a required document that our buyers need to fill out to demonstrate that they've done the research before we go to market that to show that they they know where we're going and they know who the, the players are um, and that's something that's really helped us out Nice. Um, how important is a company's online presence when making initial evaluations? Mm, not, not as important. Um, not very important. Okay. What's the best thing a potential supplier has done to get your attention? Well, I, I, um, I, I have to kind of pause on that question and give you like a little bit of a, like a framework on our, on our, on our buying practice. So we're a municipal utility, which means we're yep. a public procurement organization. So anything that we buy that's over $20,500 goes out through a, a public uh, portal. So um, in terms of getting my attention, it needs to come through a proposal. It can't just be like, you know, a phone call, an email or something like that. So what, what gets my attention, the best thing to get my attention is when uh, you can tell that a company has spent a, a reasonable 
reasonable amount of money on business development in their materials that they send to you, either electronic or hard copy. When, when you can see that rather than just filling in your questions on the RFP, they've actually turned it into a professional document, that, that initially will catch my attention. That's interesting because on the business development side, you're always back and forth of whether do you just ask, provide what's required, or they're asking for a little bit more. And I've heard varying different answers where I've had some customers say, I get to the pricing page and throw that, <laughs> throw the rest away. Yeah. There, I guess the I guess the uh, the opposite of that answer is when I when I see that somebody just fills in the box, um, that's usually that usually is a kind of a, a sign that. Maybe they haven't spent a lot of time with it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what's the worst thing a potential supplier has done to get your attention? Um, not knowing how we go to market. So uh, I get probably 10 or 15 emails every day or more and uh, another five or 10 phone calls where it's just people offering up the stuff that they have to support us as a utility. And that's all good. I just can't do anything with it because that's not how we we procure things, right? We have to go through a, a the public procurement process. Yeah. So that that's that probably presents a, a an interesting dynamic for BD folks because I I in that situation I feel like the the best thing they can do if they have time with you is learn how what your goals are and how you're supporting your customers and trying to align their offering with that. Yeah. Of absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's um, that's all good, right? Um, ask me questions about how the process works. Um, the things that that um, uh, kind of um, are just distracting. The most distracting are when somebody wants to sell me something and they they think I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and there's plenty that I don't know, but but they need to start with what they don't know, which is how does the process work? And I'm I'm more than happy to um, share the process of becoming a registered supplier and you know get, getting into the the network right yeah um is there anything in particular you look for in strategic suppliers any general traits well we're expanding our focus on um, ESG criteria so those that have a, a clear um, program and um, have have uh, the ability to demonstrate they've put some thought and in, in practice into environmental uh, social governance. So that we're starting to look at that a little bit more, especially in um, material and equipment manufacturing and um, some of those you know more tangible things. Hmm. How um, have you started to figure out how to measure that? And do you have any any ways that you measure it yet? Yeah, we have. Um, we've added two standard questions to our RFPs. Uh, one asks about just um, a corporate statement that describes your sustainability program, just kind of in general, how your company thinks about that. And then the second one, second question, standard question that we've added is um, when when you're responding to this request for service or equipment, um, what opportunities do you see to reduce emissions or environmental impact? And tell us about what you're going to do to to help uh, make a difference. So those those two things, kind of the corporate response and then the scope specific response, and we we capture those and we we evaluate those two questions and um, um, award uh, points in the evaluation that affect the outcome. Got it. Um, 
couple more questions probably not as relevant to, to, to in the in the public in the public utility space uh yeah i think i mean i i think that's it this has been a really good interview uh i before we before we wrap up i want to get into uh your best routine or habits i'll give you a second here to think about that uh we talked a little bit offline and you had a couple of them so i'm excited to hear what you're going to share but uh I want to, uh, before we wrap up, I want to thank you again and appreciate your time. Uh, thank you to SMUD for allowing you to do this and for being a, a great utility there in the Sacramento area. Um, and with that, I wanted you to wrap us up with your best routine or habit, Casey. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. And appreciate the um, couple minutes there to just kind of gather my thoughts on this one. There, there's a lot that comes to mind. I mean, for, for me in a leadership role, you know, time and priority management, that's been a really big thing. Um, uh, kind of that routine of, of uh, you know, getting up early, um, being disciplined about, you know, time in your day, managing your, your time. That's kind of a constant. Um, but what I thought of um, uh, after we debriefed the other day was uh, it's a little bit different. And, and uh, I think this is because I'm kind of a competitive person and uh, I've always you know, grown up around sports and everything. And and so what I, what I realized is um, um, what's been a good thing for me is um, finding an, an outlet. So being competitive in the workplace, I think is a good thing, right? You're, you're passionate and, and you're, you're challenging your coworkers and you want to, you want to win, right? I, I like to win, but um, if you're in a, a career um, in a leadership role and you're in it for the, for the long haul, you're playing the long game, you're not going to win every day, right? There's going to be frustration along the way, challenges, people that you just don't, agree with or get along with for some reason. So um, for me, what's been really helpful is uh, finding an outlet, uh, something where you can just get that, you know, competitive um, flow kind of out. So for me, that's um, uh, running and cycling. I've uh, raced uh, road bikes and criteriums and road races for a long time. And uh, that's always been something that is just like head down, you know, the, the bike, like, never talks back to you the bike you know all it does is just go faster the harder you pedal and and uh uh yeah you could spend you know 30 minutes or an hour and just smash the pedals and get out there and get rid of some stress and uh you know you're really only competing with yourself if you think about it so uh that's been really important for me uh just to go clear my head uh have that competitive outlet and um uh, think about, you know, how to make decisions or kind of tie things back together at work. And uh, so I've always tried to maintain just a little bit of time to go out for a run or go out for a bike ride a couple of days a week. And uh, it's been super helpful for me. And can't have a better place to do it in Sacramento. It's like 60 degrees nine months out of the year. So <laughs> blessed yeah. on the weather front. Yep. Just got to go uh, early in the morning during the summer when we get uh, all that heat. Oh, yeah. All right, Casey. Uh, thanks again. This has been great. Um, I wish you the best of luck in your career and uh, maybe we'll have you on again in the future and we can jam on a different subject uh, to everyone else. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please like and share it. Uh, and if you really like what we're doing, please uh, leave a comment on one of the um, podcast subscriptions. Thank you.